Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 322. There's, there is a space out there for you. And if, and if you're patient enough and you surround yourself by the right people, you'll find that. And it will find you. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Are you opening a restaurant and stressing out with where to start? Or perhaps you've already opened your restaurant and you're finding yourself completely overwhelmed with the day-to-day task that only you know how to do. If you feel this way, I've got good news. You don't have to do it alone, nor should you regain control of your business and your life with restaurantowner.com. And if you go to restaurantowner.com slash unstoppable, you will get a 10-day pass for only $1. Get on it. Hiring a consultant to train your staff and to improve your restaurant can be expensive. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could just get advice from world champion baristas and leading restaurant consultants without spending thousands of dollars? Tipsy believes you should have the chance to learn new skills whenever you need to, which is why they have hundreds of hospitality courses available for only $9 a month. To give you a little something extra, as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you can also get 50% off your first month. All you gotta do is click the tipsy banner in the show notes get on it with excitement allow me to introduce to you today's guest patrick patterson pat you gotta tell me man are you feeling unstoppable today totally unstoppable. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. That is what we like to hear. So Patrick Patterson has always been drawn to people and their stories. After a stint documenting Texas death row for publication publications, such as Playboy Patterson's career took a different path. Restaurants Patterson, who as a kid had standard roles of dishwasher, cleaning spuds, bussing tables, and getting fired for eating croutons and dressing in the walk-in cooler. In 2008, Patterson landed on the steps of the Food Fight Restaurant Group in Madison, Wisconsin, where he quickly rose to part-time bartender, or from part-time bartender to first-time GM and owner. In 2015, Patterson and his family relocated to the New Hampshire Seacoast, where today he is the GM of Block 6, the restaurant at 3S Art Space, a local arts nonprofit in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And man, we're just scratching the surface. I can't wait to learn more about you and how you kind of just in just short 10 years rose so quickly to where you are now. But let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. Give him the tomato. You've got to give them the tomato. Nice. Uh, Give them the tomato. Dive into that. So, um, like I, like you said, landing on the steps of food fight restaurant group, um, the founder, um, Monty, Monty, um, he woke up one morning and went to the kitchen and was going to make bagel and lox and, um, needed a tomato for it. And so he, he was, um, at a rural cabin and just drove down the street a little bit and, 
um, there's like a little cafe there. And he went in and said, Hey, can I, can I buy a, a tomato off you or get a couple slices of tomatoes? And uh, the counter person just looked at him and said, I'm sorry, this is for, these are for the sandwiches that we have to make today and wouldn't give him a tomato. And so he left and he was thinking, man, this is, this is insane. Um, I wonder if anyone in our restaurant group would, what they would do, would they give him the tomato? Would they slice the tomato? Would they charge them for the tomato? And so when he came back to Madison, he, um, we had a, a GM meeting, um, and all the restaurants that, um, gave this little old woman that he sent out, uh, tomatoes, um, had a tomato sitting in their spot and each, each restaurant, um, fortunately and not surprisingly had a tomato at each location. And so that's kind of been the, the mantra of just give them the damn tomato. <laughs> so um, what's and the underlying people, message there? Like what, what's like the whole idea of, of just, just giving them the tomato? Like what, what does that mean? What's the essence saying, of that? Saying, saying yes and wanting to do it. And if you can do it, just do it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, there's people have different rules and, and, um, and how those rules come about, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why somebody wouldn't just give them a tomato. <laughs> I don't get it, man. But that's an awesome way to get this thing started. So tell us more about you. Uh, I kind of gave the listeners a bird's eye view of how you got into the industry, but really dive into it. Uh, what brought you to bartending and kind of uh, take it from there? Yeah, I, I think I think just generally being um, drawn to people. And I think... Um, from a bartender standpoint, um, you get so many different people that are coming to a bar with their stories. Um, really, there wasn't any anything different um, from what I was doing when I was um, uh, doing photojournalism, except I didn't have a camera. I had a either pull, pulling a board, uh, beer handle or I was uh, shaking up a cocktail. So um, with both of those, you get to um, partake in someone's life story. You get to listen to them, um, be a counselor. Uh, be a comedian. I think most importantly, you can you can be whoever you are, whoever you want to be at that time behind the bar. Um, so that's kind of what draw drew me in. Is is um, I was working a desk job and um, nine to five. It was pretty uh, pretty expected what I was supposed to do, and so I just decided to start bartending a couple times a week and um, quit my job probably three months later. Oh wow! So it was 2008 where you first landed the, the gig bartending, and within three months you went from yep. just part time to full time. And can you remember um, that experience? Like, bring us to that moment where y- you you're in the restaurant. What was it going on? What was going on like around you and internally that made you make the switch? That's a tough one. Um, I can barely remember what happened last week. <laughs> um, I would I would say that that overall I. I just remember the energy um, that this particular restaurant provided me. Um, the uh, unexpected conversations you would have, and I mean, just from your coworkers and to, um, you know, like showing up today at work, um, I'm wearing my Chaco sandals and a short sleeve t-shirt, walk in, grab a cold brew and um, talking to you now. So this, I, I think being in this business where I'm at, it, it kind of allows me to have, the type of flexibility and freedom um, that I'd like in conjunction with um, the everyday people coming in. 
Yeah, and we had a chance to talk, which I don't always get with all my guests. And I met you last week and instantly was got excited to just capture your story. And you, you had a lot of great things to say about this restaurant group that kind of, you know, got you into the industry, which is Food Fighters. Uh, what what was it? You said the energy at this restaurant group was amazing. So bring us into that experience, your first job. Like what was so – I mean, the beautiful thing about this industry is you really have the chance to – change lives and influence people and it sounds like you were one of those people where your life got changed and you got influenced so take us through that experience of what this great restaurant group was like yeah i think it'll it doesn't matter what you do in life it starts with surrounding yourself by good people that that are doing something um for a greater good than just themselves and i think that um the one besides giving people the tomato and, and that's just kind of the foundation of it um uh, wanting to do something and be a part of a community and contribute um, and provide the right work environment. Um, when I say that, just how we treat employees um, with wages and employee, employee ownership opportunities, um, uh, what, what this group does to um, give back to their employees. So it starts with um, wanting to surround yourself by good people that you respect and that you can learn from. And I think um, everyone within food fight, I would say that they would all agree that once you come in, um, whether you're a dishwasher, uh, bartender or server, um, a GM, there's the opportunity to grow into ownership um, really quickly. Um, There's the the advancement um, opportunity is, is uh, um, across the board. So, for example, um, when when I left uh, Food Fight, um, I had a dishwasher, um, Jose, who was working for me um, a couple years prior. And as I was leaving, he was uh, then the, the kitchen manager. So um doesn't matter where you start. You have a, a hard work ethic and you, you believe in it um, and, you, and you put your time in, then it, it definitely pays off. I, I definitely want to dive into that a little bit deeper, but first I want to come back to something you said earlier, which was from the very beginning, there was something uh, that made you feel like you were contributing to something greater. So w- what was food fight doing that was greater than your typical restaurant? Uh, I mean, wow. That, uh, kind of expansive so um (laughs) it can be from the simple fact of providing employees with metro cards for transportation um to get to work and from work um to providing on top of uh health benefits um uh, counseling services for um not only the employees and employees families but also their friends and family um for counseling for drug addiction um substance abuse um, to partnering with YMCA um, in Dane County for um, putting healthy foods in schools and in, in youth programs to partnering with um, Meals on Wheels um, and then just so many different small organizations throughout the community. Each restaurant is extending out um, and making their own co- contacts. Um, you know, for, for example, there was a, there was an, an apartment fire um, not too far from, from the restaurant that I was at. And uh, that, that morning 
um, first thing that we did is we loaded up um, a mobile kitchen and drove there and set up and we started feeding people um, in a, the Red Cross uh, shelter area. And so that that's something that was just uh, first nature. So this happened. This is in our community, um, whether they're our customers or not. Um, this is what we're going to do this morning. And um, people are able to make those decisions without having to go to someone saying, hey, is it okay to do this? Or making those decisions without someone coming to you saying, I can't believe you did this. This wasn't in our budget. We, we, you know, we're here to make a profit. Um, at the end of the day, if you don't support your community, your, your community is not going to support you and they shouldn't. Mm. It's so true. And, and I feel like, you know, this is something that's been coming up a lot on the show recently is that we're moving from a big, a big, like just topic has been moving from being a transactional company to a transformative company where you, you exist, uh, not to just render a service, but to, to, literally serve in all forms any way possible and to, and to really invest in, I mean, I wrote down in big letters care and that's what I'm hearing from you. Like this restaurant group cared. And when you care for other people, man, uh, you won't get them to, you won't have them start caring for you until you care for them first is what I'm hearing. Is that safe to say? Uh, you know, absolutely. I, I think it, and then it, then it, 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 uh, circumvents into, into the employees where, um, you know, it, it's not about what you're making um, at, at some point um, rate of pay and, and, and finding a, a good space that you, that you feel like you can contribute um, to tend to separate itself. And so once you find a place that this is what's going on, um, this is what I can expect while I'm working here. Um, I have a voice. I want to be a part of the things that um, this group has allowed me to feel confident in, in doing. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty rad. And I, I don't think you find that, um, at a lot of the, um, larger corporate chains. So like if I was at like a X place over by the mall where there's, uh, you know, 30 of those stores across the country, um, as a GM of that restaurant, by making that quick decision, that this is what we're going to do. I think it would have, um, it wouldn't be embraced as much, um, just, it, it wouldn't, it's just not what those places are, are there for. They're there to, to make a, make a profit. And as we are, we're all here, it's a business. Um, but it's what you choose to do with your business, um, and how you partner, um, that says a lot about everyone who's working there and why you should so support certain businesses. And that's kind of what, that's what that philosophy of what I was given those tools. Um, those are what I take with me, whether I want to or not wherever I land and landing here at block six at three S art space. Um, Oh, we're going to get there. The we're going to get there. All right. We're going to save that right. for later. I want to follow your progression, your career and how you got to where you are now and the, the amazing things you are doing now. But I want to, uh, kind of go back to where you said the, the opportunity for fast growth. So we kind of covered the importance of just caring in, uh, the, at the macro level, being there for your community, everything that you do in your restaurant is a reflection of, of how much you care. But on the micro level, with caring for your employees and giving them that opportunity for growth within your company, you mentioned the dishwasher, uh, went from dishwasher to kitchen, kitchen manager in, in a, just a few short years. But let's look at you. I mean, th this, this conversation is about you, Patrick, and your growth. Um, you came in as a bartender and how, and talk to us, take us on the path of how you progress and how you, and why you progress so quickly versus maybe some other people. Um, you know, I, 
I, I I don't know if I don't I don't think I can answer answer the <laughs> why I, I progresses or I'm progressing more than other people because I'm sure that's probably not the case. Um, people pass me up every day, which is which is great. Um, but I it was something new to me as far as the environment, the type of work, um, and the aspect of um, what I was uh, supposed to be doing uh, as far as um, bartending and what that having the added responsibilities of closing up at night and opening it up in the morning and being responsible for handling large amounts of um, money and purchasing of, of the alcohol. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. Like sometimes that just kind of fades, fades off a little bit and you um, it's, it's hard to, to recall, call that. Um, you know, I, I think it goes back to me um, being a, a true people person and, I I love being around people, whether they're my colleagues or they're our guests coming into to our restaurant. And um, I think that that's what stuck me there. And that's probably why I haven't left um, is just having those daily interactions with my coworkers and the guests that come in the store and the relationships that are built from that. Um, I think that that's, that's what put me there. And I think just um, wanting to not let down every guest that walks into our restaurant instills a really good work ethic. And um, if we're not going to let people down every time they walk in, then that requires you to um, to do the best job you can and use those tools that, that are given to you. I don't know if that answers that question really. <laughs> no, you're giving us great stuff. Uh, what I'm really curious about is your, your path. So you came in as the bartender. Um, was there like a set uh, program for growth? Uh, can you, or was it just more organic when they see people stepping up and uh, growing and they want to prov- like first, like what's the value of having that opportunity to growth? What does that do for us emotionally? I mean, I, uh, in what aspect? I mean, just in general, just the, your, your happiness, your, your human needs to have the chance to grow with a company. And, and I mean, it's so important, but I feel like anybody listening to this right now might be thinking to themselves, like, am I giving the opportunity for growth to my people? So, I mean, how did food fight do it? How, and how did you do it? Like what things were you doing? And was there a structure and a, a path, a guide for you to, to grow easily? I guess, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, without a doubt, organically, I think with with any good relationship, uh, you've got to have that, that organic growth. And um, at the same time, when you know Food Fight has over twenty different restaurants, um, there's a lot of people that are involved, and there's a lot of people coming in and out from a from a um, from a managing partner aspect to uh, um, our uh, CEO and CFO and um, operations directors. So when people identify somebody and even, even as a, a GM. So when you identify that you have someone within your, within your little realm of, of um, your home that has something to contribute, you want to hold on to them. And um, you know, for me, you start asking like, how do I hold on to this person? And, and I'm sure that uh, that's how it was perceived um, from people I was working with. Um, and, and so by just having, you know, there's not like a, a set path where it's like, okay, this person, um, we think they're an awesome person that could make a, an amazing manager or bartender. Like this is the path we're going to put them on. I think taking people who, um, 
understand hospitality and have a good drive and are open to learning and suggestions and understand and, and get the philosophy of what give them the tomato means. Mm-hmm. When you, when you possess that, um, we've always been pretty confident that um, we can supply the tools to those people um, that will make them successful in in those roles that they're being asked to take on. So, you know, we've had, we've asked people to step up from bar managers to AGMs. We've had AGMs step up to GMs. We've had servers go straight from our bartenders go straight from bartending to um, general managers. Um, but it's with, with that, there's a, a support network there. Um, if that makes any sense. And then there's, uh, once we identify somebody that would come on that would that would really make a a good asset in that that realm, um, then there definitely is uh, like GM training and AG, AGM training, um, and just kind of going through those networks and it extends over into the HR side. You know how to how to be on top of all your legal stuff and um, just having all that set in stone from the beginning. There's a um, you know, and that's something that always changes as as a business grows or as a restaurant grows or um yeah no just listening to you talk it, it sounds like what you were doing at, at food fight uh and what your your group in general was doing consistently was just helping people grow um not just with their career giving them the next uh ladder the next rung on the ladder to climb up to the next title but also you were growing leaders i mean uh by giving them the tools, by educating them, by mentoring them and giving them, you know, the right mentality and the right w- ways to think. Uh, is that safe to say? It's not just the job, like, you know, giving them the next rung on the ladder, but also developing them as people. Development, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you want, you want healthy people. You want people to be happy um, just as much as they are away from, from the restaurant as they are here. If you have people who aren't, who aren't healthy and happy away from here, that's going to just drag right into the restaurant. Um, and it's going to affect everybody, but yeah, you want, you want the best for everyone that's around you. And so like, even now when you have somebody came up to me and they're like, Hey, I've been here for a year and a half. I'm moving on. It's like, that's awesome. Like, uh, you know, where are you going? And, um, I hope that I was able to, to cultivate something and give you something before you're leaving that you can add to your tool belt because you've given me something that I've been able to add to my tool belt, whether you're a buster or a server, um, whatever your role is here, even as a guest, like every day people should be taking tools and putting them in their tool belts. I love it, man. And, uh, so many things that you're saying that I want to dive into and I just got to pick a path. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, First, I just want to just repeat what you said, something that just made my insides light up, and that was you want the best for everyone around you. And I think just that mindset of knowing that it's not about my progression, not how far I can get and what what I can acquire in life, but if I make my life about making sure everyone around me gets the best for them, in the long run, I will come out on top. Do you want to reflect on what I just shared? Yeah, that also so that that you know that's that's like the that's the beautiful side of the picture there. I mean, <laughs> when you're in the heat of it and you're and you're pushing through it and you have deadlines and you drop the ball and um, sometimes it doesn't come across like that. Uh, you know, and that's kind of that's what I kind of say to people now when I'm like walking by them really quick and I'm like, hey, you know, you know, table twenty two, does it have this or can you grab this for table twenty two or you know whatever it may be? 
and somebody looks at me like, oh, wh- what have I done wrong? It's like, you haven't done anything wrong. Like, this is like making my anxiety go down. I just want to make sure they're set and square. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it's not always that beautiful picture that I, I described. There's like, it it can cannot be fun too and that's and that's all right that's expected but i mean i've had many uncomfortable conversations um people sitting down with me and saying hey like (laughs) you know you had a deadline on this where is this and it's like you know well and then you start to make excuses well we're busy you know we had this we had this come up and um so it's it's also important and great and healthy to have somebody there to help hold you accountable and having, and that's part of that support net. Cause when you don't have anyone there to hold you accountable for, it's not fun. Um, there's no one there to push you. There's no one there to, um, when it's just you, it's, uh, it's a lot more difficult and challenging, which there's a lot of people out there who open restaurants and it's just them. All right. Two things I think we need to talk about first, how to develop that support net and what things we can do in our restaurants and our lives today to make sure these you know, checks and balances are in place. But the other thing I really want to get out of you um, is the whole idea of, yeah, it's not always fun, but how do we stay positive? How do we, is there anything that you do in your, in your life to kind of just remember that it's about making sure they get to the tomato and making sure it's about everybody else. Do you, how do you recenter yourself to that way of thinking and not letting the, the not fun stuff take over your ways of thought and affect you emotionally? Um, it's a, it's a, it's a balancing act for sure. And, you know, it's, it's, once again, it goes back out, you know, if you're, if you're healthy before you're walking into those magic curtain doors, then, um, uh, it's it's a lot easier. Um, you know, I, I try to spend as much time as I can with my family. Um, and, uh, it's, um, (laughs) <laughs> These are some tough questions. I'm gonna come. Man. I'm gonna. I'm a, yeah. Indeed. I'm gonna come back to that one. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you also mentioned the support system. So kind of go deeper into that. Uh, what do you mean? Like really break down what your support system looks like. Um. Well, so my support system. I mean, it starts at home. Um, you know, I think uh, being able to always bounce ideas off your partner and. Um, before you go in and, and speak to anyone or just get feedback. And so it starts there. And, um, for me with starting out with, with food fight, um, I remember the first day of me being GM, um, one of our managing partners started asking me some financial questions and I didn't know how to answer them. I had no idea what, what he was saying. Um, he's like, tell me about your prime costs. Tell me about this. I'm like, I'm like, I, I, I really can't. And he's like, well, this is pretty scary. And, um, he left. And so, um, going into my first, uh, wait, wait, did he say, financial did, meeting, did he say it was really scary or did you think it was really scary? Well, no, he did. Like it was, and that's, that's just him. He has this sense of humor, kind of dry, but, uh, once you get to know him, um, it, it's, it's pretty comical, but, um, he's a numbers guy and that's yeah. great. And, Um, not everybody is that numbers guy. And so I learned really quickly that, um, you know, all the things that I've said about myself in the past, like I'm not good with math. I'm not good with numbers. Um, I'm going to have to know this to be successful. And so I need to know it as much as I need to know, um, 
I don't have to be a master of it. I just have to know it. Um, I don't have to love it. Um, I just have to be able to use that as a tool um, and then utilize what I am, what I do well at. And that is the hospitality, the connecting with the community, the people understanding operations and um, um, public relations and um, networking. So I remember going into that, that first financial meeting, not knowing how to read a financial report. And so um, I sought out a, um, an accountant CPA that wasn't a part of the restaurant group and basically had them go through that entire financial report with me to explain it and what these numbers meant and, and how to talk about it. And so going into that first financial meeting, it was terrifying, um, you know, not knowing the first of so many other questions. So the first of explain this to me, the first of what does this mean or why, why is this happening? Um, and basically it's you're defending the restaurant and the financial statement and what's going on or what's not going on. So um, it took me about seven months to, to truly um, understand financial reports to where I felt confident enough to, to be able to go through those numbers and look at it and, and, and feel, feel confident with it. So like there are things that are coming at me um, even today that uh, I have no idea or understand it, but I know I have to go out and find out what it is and how I'm going to learn it. Um, cause it is, it is important. It is, it, it's necessary to be successful, but, um, also not, um, it's, it's not a bad thing to say, I don't understand this. I need help. Um, can you explain it? And, and sucking up that pride and that embarrassment. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're dropping some really key things on us right now. And before I just go on a tear, I'm curious, how many years elapsed from the time you started as a bartender to when you made it as GM going to this first meeting? Um, probably seven months, maybe seven months. Okay. So in your defense, man, like no prior experience other than washing dishes and peeling potatoes and busting tables, you can get fired. (laughs) Yeah. Like in seven months, nobody would really understand any of that stuff. And I, I think that's a really important thing because I mean, not to, We're not here to point fingers, but if you're being put into that role, maybe that was his way of saying you're here now and I know that you don't know this stuff, but I want you to know that you do need to know it in a very subtle way. Um, But most people wouldn't have done what you did. I feel like they would have kind of just sat in that place of ignorance for a while, but you took the initiative to go out on your own and to, to learn this stuff and and, and the cool thing is with leaders, with people who, who take this career to like the next level and do really incredible things, they understand that that, and you said it, like that, that sense of going out and learning, it never ends. It's continuous. Um, and you might not be the best number person, but just recognizing that you don't have to be, but you do have to understand it is so important. You need to know the big picture. Uh, you need to also know what lane you should be staying in and where you shine, but you, you need to know how all those pieces come together. And just that intuitiveness about you to, to recognize that I think is beautiful. And we all need to, you know, take a, a note from that playbook of yours and how you handle that situation. Um, want to reflect on what I shared? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, I, we, after the fact, you know, like, um, sitting down with people from, from food fight, uh, and having that conversation, um, you know, years down the road where it's like, Hey, just so you know, like 
this is really uncomfortable for me um, <laughs> going into into this situation. And, you know, that reflects back on to like, you know, the, you know, what is the training plan? Like what is the steps of progression and making sure everyone has their tools? Because, you know, you as a, as a manager and as, as leaders, you're trying to focus on making sure that um, the staff that you're working with has their tools, but yet, you know, goes back to having someone to report to having um, someone to bounce ideas off of uh, besides just your, your day-to-day colleagues um, uh, is so valuable. And um, that would not have happened if I was not a part of this group, you know, it easily could have just been, you know, there's no difference. I, I, I feel like there's, there's so many people who open up restaurants who are retiring or they think it's going to be fun and, you know, they could have been coming from some completely different industry and they open it and then they realize, or they don't realize like, Oh my gosh, like there's so much in play here, not only with our lives and our money, but like there's so many working components, so many variables. Um, yeah. I mean, understanding what cash flow is and like really understanding what that means, um, is, is huge. Yeah. And you mentioned something, Pat, um, that kind of stood out to me when you were talking about how uncomfortable this this feeling was for you to be going into the situation where you didn't know what prime cost was, for example. And I kind of, you know, tilted my head a little bit because I and you mentioned, you know, just then when you were just talking about giving your people the tools so they can do their job. And I, I was kind of surprised that they didn't educate you on these things before giving you the position because only seven months experience like obviously anybody who works in this industry knows that that's not common sense that's something that needs to be taught um so uh i mean the whole idea is is people don't like feeling uncomfortable that's a place where none of us want to be and not everybody's going to have the initiative like like you patrick had to take that initiative to, to to go learn so ask yourself when you were giving these people these promotions and these, these opportunities to grow, did did you give them all the tools? Are they ready? And that's on, that's on the managers. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely. And, and there's, there's going to be times all the time that, um, one, there may not, you may not have enough time to give them those tools Mm -hmm. and it's going to, you're going to be throwing wrenches and hammers and all kinds of things that at this person, um, as they, as they grow and as we move forward, um, but I, I think that goes back to the support factor is that mm. um, is is that nobody's going to put somebody at least from my experience within where I started out at nobody's going to put somebody in a position that they think they're going to fail at and that there's a slew of people standing in the background there to to catch them when they're ready to fall. I just didn't feel comfortable reaching out to the people within my group to say I don't understand what a financial report means. Um, because I was afraid that they would say, what do you mean you don't know what a financial report means and how to read it? We just gave you this job as a GM. We thought you were qualified. Um, so that was me not feeling confident in myself and comfortable with myself to approach members of my group who would have been happy to, um, explain it. And, 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 and rightfully, you know, they, they, they did over time. Um, and so I think that that's, um, that's a little bit on me. Um, but I, I, the one thing you can't teach, you can't teach hospitality. Mm. And, um, I mean, there's, I guess you can to a certain degree, but really like there are some key underlying layers that, um, 
are going to make it or break it for somebody who is in this industry. And I, I feel like you can teach systems. You can teach um, people how to, how to be better at their jobs or more efficient, but you can't teach somebody to, to do, to have that inner good to make people happy or to not think of themselves first um, in this industry. And there's a lot of people out there um, that don't have that who are in this industry. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's my belief on it. So like, I'm not totally, I'm not afraid of putting somebody in a position who may not have that experience. um, As long as I know that I have the time and the commitment to support them and be next to them um, more than you would have to be if someone had more experience. Um, but where it starts to crumble is, is that, you know, here's the not so good painted picture of, of the, of the restaurant, um, where you start getting busy or things start to happen and your, your good intentions of, um, your commitment of making sure that these people have the tools slowly kind of spread apart. And so, um, going back to having that support factor, um, the bigger your support net is, the the easier it is for you to to do that more successfully. I, I would say. Yeah, and I mean, I think uh, just being around you, our time spent the uh, last week just talking. I think that that sense of hospitality was the chariot that you rode up on uh, that got you so far so fast because I, you know, I can just sense that you're one of those emotionally, socially intelligent people, and to just kind of emphasize the point you're trying to make is don't don't look at experience don't look at the knowledge that people have to determine who gets a raise i mean does this person have the leadership skills the 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 uh you know that that's the hospitality bug and if they do then you can teach them these things um and and they can go incredible places like you've gone um and i mean there's so many things i want to talk about but we got to move forward and i'm really curious about so, this transition so just a, just yeah a, please please yeah so just just a little side note somewhere in this whole whole conversation um I would say out of the entire time that I've been putting people together to, to work within little communities, um, I've probably called five references off resumes, um, five people. And, um, and I've, I, and since then, in the last probably three years, I would say that I have not, I don't call references. Um, and that might be a, a bad thing. Uh, might, might not be, um, but it's worked for me. And that's sitting, that's that, um, when you sit down with somebody, you know that you're in front of somebody that is a good person. Um, and it's, I hire off of feelings and, um, the energy that, that you're, that you're sharing with me at that moment. And so, and from there it's, uh, it's, it's training. Yeah. And you know, that's smart because that energy that you're getting is the same energy that your guests are going to be getting. Uh, and just that, that those first impressions are so huge in this industry. Um, so awesome way to kind of put a period at the end of this conversation. Um, now I'm really curious about your transition from being the manager to being uh, an owner and how did that all go down real quick? Um, I wanted, I wanted a piece of, I wanted a piece of something more than just being a GM, um, you know, and, and the, the restaurant, uh, text hubs, taco palace, um, is in this little awesome East side community of Madison and it is in biking distance from our home. And this is where our friends were. And, um, so it was, it was more than just, you know, buying 
buying into uh, buying into a restaurant. It was uh, buying into a restaurant that was a staple and um, uh, meaningful to me in my community. So I'm from Texas, and so um, I left there when I was 25. And this place is uh, is a funky Austin style uh, taco place that has big, colorful neon signs and plays music and that re- reminds me of where I grew up. And so there's that, also that kind of emotional connection to this place that's completely different than, um, you know, from a business perspective, you know, it's that, uh, you know, I'm a displaced Texan and that's just tying me back into to where I grew up. Um, but yeah, I, I, at some point you want to grow and you, and you start thinking about, you know, this is part of my retirement plan. Um, instead of just doing a 401k, it's like, all right, um, I, I believe in, in food fight enough that, um, I'm going to make this investment and, um, and that's, that's how that got started. Yeah. And, uh, I'm really interested in this, this restaurant group food fight, because I mean, how many restaurants, oh, uh, 24 total restaurants or I think I, uh, there's a couple that just opened recently in the last six months. I think it's 20, 22 or 24 now, and they're all individual, um, separate concepts from each other. So, so there's I, no one, one alike. Yeah. And I think that's awesome. I really do think that's the way of the future, uh, how food fight restaurant group approach this and the whole idea of like, there's, you know, you don't have to create something and then recreate it over and over and over again. You can create something, create that, that framework, that chassis, uh, that way of thinking, that culture, and then invest in other people and share the wealth with other people. I mean, what about this business structure is intentional? And do you know, do you have any insight as to why they they run it the way they do that you can share with us? Um, I mean, they run it the way they do because it works for sure. What I mean, is that's, it? What uh, is one, that works? One, like, dive into that. Uh, their culture of hospitality, first and foremost. If you don't, if you don't have that, I and mean, it really goes back to give them the tomato. And um, like, I, I really can't emphasize that enough. And I mean, it's saying yes to people. And if something is 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 broken, you fix it, and you want to do it, and you want to love it, and so you have you have all this hospitality in this little ball like just oozing out and ready to explode and then next to that you have this little systems ball that is just jam piled with systems that work and um you you start you you start doing that you start intermingling just really good systems and operations and hospitality together and i think that those two things are a huge success because your systems are is what's controlling your your bottom line, um, and your hospitality is what's getting people coming into the door, and also understanding you know what concepts going to work where and why. I mean, it's it's kind of like having a script in your back pocket. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna throw that script out at at every director, or every um, every place you come around. But um, you know, there's everyone has an idea for a restaurant that may or may not work and one spot and you just, you hold on to it until you find that right spot that it's going to work. I I love everything you're sharing with us with just the value of finding those systems, those, those cultures, the, the idea of hospitality. When you find the secret formula, this, this formula that works, you just use those formulas 
in different restaurants. But what is the impact on the people, uh, not the necessarily the guests, but on the inner guests, the employees, people like yourself who started off as a bartender or maybe you were a dishwasher and you know that if you stay with this company, there is a chance that they will invest in your vision and give you opportunities to grow in one day be an owner. Like, do you, there, We have to put some emphasis on that. Do you want to reflect on how that is impactful? I mean, it, it's, it's growth, it's education. Mm. It's, it's, um, it's not only like, uh, it's not only like actual educational growth. It's also, uh, it's, um, self-inspiring. Like it's motivating. You feel, you feel good about mm. yourself. You feel good about and proud about where you're at. Um, you know, if someone says, Oh, you you work for food fight and you're like, yeah, mm. I really work for food fight. And I don't know how lucky I was to, um, to have that opportunity. You know, it's like one of those places where you, you go and you visit and you're like, man, I really would love to work at this place or a pan. No one's going to hire me here. I'm not, I'm not cool enough. And then next thing you know, you're, you're, you're part of that culture and you're part of that group. And it feels just as good as you thought it did. Um, looking in on it from a out, outward perspective. Um, but uh, you know, the, every, every, not only GMs and, and managers, but, um, uh, food fight offers continuing education. So if somebody wants to go back to school and it's in the realm of hospitality, um, design work or marketing or HR, any, any business, like anything that can help contribute to the growth of that employee, um, food fight does paid education and they'll send people to school. And if people want to take an opportunity as that investment as a server, so as a server, and you're a full-time server there, um, you're going to get full benefits. You're going to have an opportunity to get continuing ed. Uh, if you want to go um, back to school and, and start working on a degree in hospitality management, Food Fight will be there to help. Yeah, um, that's amazing. Even, and for me, um, everybody is required in, on the on the manager level to um, do continuing ed. Every, we're required to do continuing ed um, every semester. So whether it's conflict management, whether it's, um, HR stuff, um, there's a, uh, continuing business, uh, school there attached to UW Madison, um, that just helps remind us, um, and keeps us a little fresh. And I'm sure that's worked right into the core values. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. Uh, hundred percent, man. And just what, Pat is talking about is Pat okay or do you prefer Patrick? I'm sorry, I should have probably. Uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, no worries. What Pat is talking about is our higher needs, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And too many restaurants stop at the most basic needs. If you imagine this triangle at the base of that triangle, it's just making sure that you have. Uh, food and shelter. And then above that, it's security. And every restaurant can provide that. But if you really want to be a special restaurant, you've got to tap into those higher needs, which is feeling like you belong, feeling like you're loved. And then what you were just talking about, which is educating and, and feeling like you're growing personally and learning. And then at the very top of that peak is self-actualization. And that's what happens when these people open that, you know, grow within the company are are given an outlet to open their own business within the restaurant group. I mean, it, 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 it can't be like under or overstressed, just the importance of feeding into those higher needs. Um, and for some reason, I, I and I'll, you can share your thoughts on this. I feel like what's wrong with a lot of people is they <laughs> outside. 
Um, yeah, I guess somebody uh, somebody <laughs> didn't get good hospitality somewhere. Uh oh. <laughs> but like, <laughs> there's this fallacy of with certain restaurants that they feel like they need to be controlling everything, and that they need to have their you know their thumb on everything and holding things down, and that limits this whole thing that we've been talking about this entire time of growth of providing opportunity, and y- you suffer when you don't provide growth to your people. Like you're gonna always be the person having to control everything. Do you want to share any thoughts from what I just shared? Yeah, you know. Yeah, that, that you know, some people will, will disagree with me on it because it's, I'm sure it's worked for for many. But um, and then I could also say, has it really worked? And and I guess where I'm kind of diving into it is is like micro like you put you put in systems that work and um, you hold everybody accountable for on a day to day like how you interact with your coworkers and what you allow them to do and you want to have your hand on everything. It doesn't work in the restaurant business. It doesn't work in any business. And um, there's a awesome uh, article that I read in the Harvard Business Review on uh, productivity. And they took two groups of people and they gave everybody in one group a raise, just straight up, here's your raise. And they took the other group and um, they didn't give them a raise, but they gave them more things to do. Um, they gave them more ownership. They gave them we want you to make a decision. We want to know what you think. We value how you want to take this particular department um, and which direction you're going to go. You decide, you figure it out. And they tracked the both groups' productivity. And, you know, the, the one that got the raise came less productive. And the ones that were just, hey, we care about what you what your opinion is and you have a voice and it really matters that group outperformed the other group yes. like so much. And, you know, that's what I, what, that's what I want to do here. And I, I n- never want to be a part of a group or an organization that those are the expectations. Because yes. um, th- th- those are, those are, uh, those are deal breakers for me. You know, and I tell people here every day that I walk in, I'm like, you know, if you're popping a $200 bottle of champagne for somebody I'm not going to question it. I'm not going to think in my head like, oh, my God, I can't believe you just did that. Um, I'm going to I just want to know why you did it and (laughs) what was so amazing for this person um, that you're creating this experience. And, um, you know, those are things that you can't do at a lot of places um, without getting fired for eating croutons in the walk-in, right? Yeah. You know, I think when it, when it all boils down, you can go anywhere today in a first world country and get your most basic needs met. Uh, if you really want to be successful, especially in an industry like hospitality, where it's all about people and keeping people happy, you've got to go after those higher needs. And it starts with just giving people that room to grow personally and professionally and, uh, I think we don't need to put any more emphasis on this. I think we made our point. Uh, but now, I mean, I, geez, I can't, I can't believe it's already been 50 minutes. I mean, time always goes by so fast during these conversations. I should ask, are you a hard stop anytime before I try to pull back more layers? No, I'm good. Go, man. All right. Awesome. Uh, so I want to talk about where you are now, uh, and what you got going on. So kind of talk to us about the transition moving out to the East coast. Yeah. So, um, moving out to the East coast, um, you know, just like any move, it's, uh, it's challenging because you never, you don't know where you're going to end up landing. And, um, I'm at uh, block six restaurant. Um, it's the restaurant at three S art space in Portsmouth. Um, three spaces is stands for the, the restaurant performing arts center and the art gallery. We're a nonprofit, um, 
performing in um, Art Center. So, um, you know, that's, you know, th- the transition coming out is, uh, I guess it's the, the pros and cons of being with somebody who gave so much to you as far as building your education within the, the restaurant industry um, that you end up landing at a place um, where you could land at a place where all those values and all those systems that you pride yourself on knowing and using um, aren't well received. And so that's kind of a, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of a um, catch 20 there. Yeah. Catch 22 where it's, I can only imagine where it's like, so you get, you get built up and you, and you go out there and you try to implement these things and, and you get pushback and resistance and it's, you just end up sitting back going, Oh man, this is terrible. Like, you know, <laughs> should like, should I even, would I have been better off without knowing all these good systems and, and these, and these good standards? And of course the answer is no, yeah. but, um, it can, it can make it more challenging. So, you know, I have been at, at places in Portsmouth for, um, almost a year that, that ultimately I left because, um, I, there, I did not believe in their, um, their core values of, um, not how you treat guests, but how you treat your employees. Um, ultimately, which translates back to guest experience, because if you're micromanaging your, your staff, and, and I hate even saying your staff, like, um, it's not an ownership, it's just, uh, your team. Like, you know, the people, your team, and your, your inner community and family, um, when you start, when you start controlling them, and you treat them in a, in a way that um, just goes against everything that you, that you believe in, um, you walk away from it and, and you sit patiently until you find the right opportunity. And which obviously has arose for me. Um, I'm at a fantastic space in our community. Um, half of it is a, um, nonprofit. The restaurant side of it is a for-profit, um, which is owned by the nonprofit, which is a whole other new equation for me. Um, so it's, um, it's awesome that I've been able to, to land in a space that I feel I can use those tools and those systems and, um, uh, and they're well-received. So I just want to put yeah. a, a break right here and just talk about real quick, the importance of not just taking any job from on, you know, the outside looking in, it looks like a great place. And, um, I've, in, you know, I'm sure it was a great place for all its own reasons. But when you're looking for the next job, you've really got to look deep and make sure that the values of that company align with your values and that you're choosing the right company to work for it. And um, not just choosing any job. It's so it's so crucial that when you're coming up in this industry that you're doing it with the right people because it's going to be who you are. They're going to be they're going to change who you are for the rest of your life. Uh and those values that you pick up from wherever you work are going to be values that you carry with you forever. Uh, so be picky and, and choose the right restaurant. Um, do you want to reflect on that at all? Yeah. I mean, it can, it can, if, if you don't choose the right space, um, it not only can make or break you in that, in that environment, like you can ultimately walk away from, from this industry with a, such a bad feeling, um, against it. And, um, which uh, to me, it's, it's, um, it's not worth it. You know, it's, there's, there is a space out there for you. And if, and if you're patient enough and you surround yourself by the right people, you'll find that and it will find you. Um, but it's not worth 
um, you know, if I was at the place that I left for longer than I was there, there's definitely the opportunity could have presented itself that I would have just not wanted to walk in any building with the HVAC and a bar and the people they call uh, restaurant culture. I, 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 it would have, it would have, it would have killed my, my passion for it. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's tough on the you know, hindsight being 2020, like you don't know what you don't know. So if you're new to the industry, you won't be able to recognize good culture from bad culture, good systems from bad systems. You, you, you won't, recognize it which is why I, I love that there's resources like this podcast now because you can educate yourself before going into these situations through learning just by listening to the stories and the, the experience of people who have found success uh but and the, what i want to spend the rest of this time on uh before we go to the speed round is that transition from going someplace um that uh kind of doesn't really have that foundation of culture in uh systems and processes and procedures that you know that you know work how do you be a new guy with this magic formula that you know works and how do you transport or transplant that that mojo that soul that that order into a restaurant that's not yours that has a team of people who might be going in one direction where you know that the right direction is over here uh it's tough sometimes it doesn't happen um (laughs) and Sometimes you may have to just look and try to take small pieces of that formula and, and squeeze them in where you can. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's more challenging. Um, it's more challenging. Um, I mean, even, even as an owner in, in Madison, it wasn't just up to me. It was, it, we, it was, it was um, you know, so there, there, there's some similarities between that, but it was a group of us. There was a group of people that would, come together and, and make the decisions as a team. Um, and then there was me, even, even as an owner, um, if I'm not following through on my responsibility, it's pretty awkward when you have someone sit down with you who's not an owner and says, Hey, you gotta get your, gotta get your stuff going here. Um, you know, so it, it's tricky. Um, but for here, I think that, um, when I came in to where I'm at, um, I looked at this as, as the same opportunity that I came on when I, whenever I joined uh, Text Hubs. Um, we need to build revenue. We need to get ourselves back involved in the community, um, generate awareness. And um, doing that when I first came on, there, there was a little, a little, um, a little resistance. Um, and you have to get an entire group of people to buy into your to your spiel um to your message into your formula and when you sit down with people and you say hey we've got to explore these options um it it could be a menu that's not working and then you have a chef that is looking at you like why are you touching my menu um you're you're here to focus on on building the business and, and and getting people to come in the door and it's like hey um that's just not the way it works. Uh, you know, we're going to put in these systems. We're going to, we're going to start trying some new things. Um, and eventually, you know, one of two things happen. Um, either you stay and you keep pushing through that or the other person agrees or disagrees, but does it or they move on. And, um, I think having, having the, the restaurant or the space, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, if you have that at your highest priority and that's your your best interest that you're thinking of every single time, um, 
the decisions that you're making are the right decisions. And if it's to, to grow the rate, grow the, grow the space, grow the restaurant, then that's what you, that's what you have to keep trying to do. Wow. I mean, so just to kind of summarize the, the key takeaways, um, that I took from this experience of this transition from you, uh, what you had before when you went to fight club was a team of people who were all on the same bus in the right seat, going in the same direction. And the biggest difference for you coming to block six was there was no necessarily right direction. Uh, You had your thoughts and there were other thoughts. But the first thing you have to do when you're taking over is you need to build that team. Uh, And the best way to build a team listening to you talk is first with sharing your thoughts, sharing your beliefs, what you know to be true, essentially developing that culture and then building the systems around that culture. And then ultimately what you need to do is have more endurance, more persistence than the other guy, because eventually one person is going to give and it can't be you when it comes to developing this culture in existence. Is that safe to say? Yeah, I mean, there's to a certain degree. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not fun for anybody yeah. um, when just, you're just hitting a ping pong ball back and forth. And so, you know, that's the that's the key. And there are so many times where it's just like, can somebody just pick up the phone and call Food Fight and just like <laughs> let them talk to them and say, hey, this is what this is what happened uh, in Madison. Um, but that's not you can't do that. So, you can't do that all the time. Yeah, I mean, you'll make enemies if you come in like a bull and just try to like you know control every situation so how do you do that subtly how do you do that gracefully in a way that you get people behind you and not fighting against you 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 sit back and you observe and you slowly start to create a a plan yes and so you have your plan of action and you have it prioritized um at what the greatest need is and um so if you're working with a smaller staff my greatest need is staff retention um versus anything else and so once you, once you create your allies for say, right, um, it's not a great choice of words for it, but once you, once you get a group of people to buy into what you want to do and they believe in it, they're going to stick by you. Yes. And then from that point on moving forward, you start to tackle the, the big things that are, um, not growing the restaurant, um, or taking off from the bottom line. So your cost controls, um, your labor, your purchasing, um, your waste, and then looking at, okay, um, is this the right menu for this space? Um, and what type of outreach have we done to get the community to come in here? Um, so you create this plan of action and, um, you set, you set deadlines and target dates and, um, you put a lot of pressure and a lot of responsibility on people who are working in the front of the house to, and the back of the house to help you execute it. And so you, and then you just do it. And I mean, the worst case scenario, what you're going to do is you're going to close a restaurant and you're going to move on and you're going to, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing. Um, it takes a lot of, a lot of good to, for someone to make that decision and say, we're going to close the restaurant, um, because it's the right thing to do. And, um, those are those are just as good decisions are as 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 wanting to open one or wanting or making a decision that works on like an in-house operations plan like not not dragging something on that's work not working and not bleeding out from investors money to 
uh, your own money, like there comes a time where it's like the right decision is to say, okay, we're closing. This place isn't working. Um, and you know, that's something that people don't really think about. You know, that's the last thing they want to do. Um, but sometimes it's the best thing to do. And the things that happen after you do that from moving on can be exponentially grand, more yeah. grand than what you were doing. Just starting so, with the, all the, the new knowledge you acquired and having a fresh start and knowing what works, knowing what doesn't work, but stopping it before the hole gets too deep um, yeah. is very important. And one thing you mentioned when you just started going on this awesome tear was the first thing you need to do is sit back and listen. And man, I just like blew up on the inside because I couldn't help but think of those seven habits of highly effective people. Um, a great book. Everybody must read Stephen R. Covey. And one of those key lessons is first seek to under first seek to understand, then seek to be understood. Uh, and if you take an interest in what other people are doing and you really understand the situation, your input is going to be so much better received. Uh, so that's such a, a valuable lesson. I just wanted to put emphasis on that. And then I think kind of just to wrap up this thought, one thing that I have seen you doing and uh, a shout out to my girl, Ala, uh, you provide opportunity for growth. And I think that's the key. Like uh, if you want to build a team, if you don't want to do it alone, you've got to build a team and develop other people and provide that opportunity to, to grow. So you're not alone. So you can get other people to bear some of the load. Do you want to talk to that at all? Yeah. I mean, you, you, especially like in a smaller place where you don't have that, that large group of people to fall back on and that support team. Um, you have to, you have, for your own self, you have to be able to let people help you get to where you need to go um, for your own personal sake and, for them too, they it's a, just another form of um, ownership that people feel when they come in that their voice is heard. And um, you know, like I don't need someone coming up to me saying, "Hey, can we can we rearrange this and store this in this place?" It's like if you want to do it, do it. But once you do it, let's put something in place mm -hmm. that everyone's on the same page. Yep. yep. Um, that, that's that's all I care about is if we make a change or if you guys want to make a change that makes it better for you and makes it more productive and um, do it. But on the other side, we have, we, we have to have a plan and action that everyone knows that we're making these changes. Yeah. So um, I, I encourage people every day to, to let me know that I'm not doing my job and, um, or if I'm not giving enough or if I'm not providing the right tools. Um, Cause I can't emphasize enough when you're, when it's just you or when it feels like it's just you, um, cause it's so many, it's so, it's so much more than just you. There's so many people, um, that come to work and make it happen every day over and over and over from the awesome people in the back of the house and the front of the house, um, and sitting outside both houses. Um, but when it feels like it's just you, um, it's, I, I make mistakes every single day. There's days I make mistakes that I'm like, I really cannot believe I made that mistake. Um, that would not have happened if I was with a, a larger support group. Um, and then there's, there's the mistakes I make every single day now that I made then. And so, um, having that little bit of reality check too, it's when you hold people accountable, you also have to hold yourself accountable. And before you can go to someone and, and say, Hey, you know, what the heck? Um, doing a little bit of self-examining is, is huge. And that just comes down to if you're three, five minutes late, I really don't care. Um, call, let me know, let somebody know what's going on. 
if you come to work every day and you get everything done that you need to get done and you provide the most awesome hospitality that you can and you love doing your job and people want to be around you, um, so many of the normal things that people get in trouble for doing, like eating croutons in the walk-in, <laughs> those things should just go away. Like that's, that's what, that's what sinks and creates those cultures within restaurants that aren't healthy. Um, and I feel, I feel bad for people who are stuck in those places that they may love, they actually may love being there. And it's just, I think about like, man, like if you could only get a little dose of that, like or the food fire, just that culture of what it's like to work with a group that is amazing um, and has a huge support network. And, and that's, that's the thing. Um, me opening a restaurant right now by myself, if it was just me opening it, I would, I probably wouldn't do it. Um, I know what, um, what it takes energy wise, emotional, the emotional, um, tolls it can take on you and the amount of energy and resources that you need. Um, like I, I'm not the person that has it just to do it by my, by myself. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's so it'd be very daunting that, uh, but I think most people don't, they don't just underestimate what goes into it. Uh, but man, you're just sharing so much valuable advice with us right now. And I'm loving every second of this. And, um, I just want to make an example of you before we go to the speed round. And I realize we're already an hour and 10 minutes into this, but it's worth every second. And, uh, uh, you know, a real soft spot in my heart right now is just the idea of, um, giving back to young people and investing time and energy and love into young people. And I feel like our young people don't really have that today. Uh, everything's very transactional. We expect them just to show up and do a job and we don't really mentor them. And you've got this incredible program going on right now with a local community, uh, with a, uh, a school in that community where you're really there for these kids. And I just want to make an example of that. Can you explain what's going on with that program? Um, yeah, so we, um, we've kind of, one of the things that, that we wanted to do is, is when I talked earlier about like how you, how you, how you grow a business, how you, why you choose to partner who you choose, um, partner with, um, we, you know, this goes back to like what, like the tools that I was giving within from food fight, like, you know, partnering with YMCA, partnering with, um, boys and girls club, um, so coming here, I, I knew that, you know, I, I wanted to carry those same practices over here, not just because they work from a business standpoint, but, you know, that's what I want to do. Um, it's who I am as a person. I think most of everyone who is around me now in this, in this restaurant at Block 6 feels the same way. Um, but we, we, we've wanted to reach out. Um, there's a program in Madison um, at the Community Goodman Center that um, had a cafe that uh, kids from high school came in and worked and ran it. Um, most of those kids in that cafe um, um, had some um, challenges um, that made it difficult for them. And um, it was a place that they could go and get some structure and, and learn um, uh, social skills, um, math skills, um, working skills, real life, uh, valuable life lessons. And so, uh, there was a awesome, uh, person named Kate Mitchell, who is, um, in charge of the, uh, the Portsmouth Clippers, 
uh, farm to school program and we got to talking and she wanted to have some of her students that she works with um, maybe set up uh, like little uh, community gardens around our, our space. And um, we got to talking like, well, you know, she wanted to do a fundraiser. I'm like, you know, instead of just doing like a fundraiser, like let's just do something that's long-term has more commitment, um, has greater impact and growth for not just you and I, but most importantly for, for the community. And so um, we went and met with the, um, the staff and students over at the Robert Lister um, high school. It's a, it's an alternative program um, in Fort Smith. There's a 24 students and we got to talking and um so what we've opened up our door here um at block six is we have two spots for paid um mentorship program um we've had one student from the high school um already start working um it's it's been a it's been an awesome and challenging um experience um We've got our chef, uh, Brendan Levine, uh, is uh, working with their science teacher now um, on, they have maple um, trees they tapped over at the school. And uh, Brendan's going to work with the uh, science teacher and the students on some things that they can make with it. Um, the students uh, have come over to the facility, hung out. Um, we did a giant potluck for them um, a month ago for lunch. They all came over and... Um, got to sit in small groups, broke it up between front of house, back of house staff and, and the kids. And they got to ask them, you know, like throw it at us. What do you want to know? Um, you know, do you have any interest in um, working and being involved in a restaurant? Some people did, some people didn't. And so the people that, that, that do have an interest, we've, we've sought out to try to see if we could provide them space and opportunities to grow within um, box six. Um, the restaurant aspect, but the, I, the long-term goal with that program is, is getting them in the building um, during, during the day, their science teacher, Brett will set up um, uh, their classroom in the restaurant. And so as we get um, farm deliveries, whether it's vegetables or um, fresh fish from um, the fishmongers, they will um, see that fish come in. They'll learn about it from a biology standpoint. They'll break it down. Um, they'll be able to see it feel it, smell it, um, and then they'll be able to taste it. Um, so they'll actually go into um, cooking that um, that fish. And um, it's just a, a different style of education. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of how everybody learns, and then you just kind of throw four walls around it and, and uh, kind of what schools have become. But, yeah, we just wanted to do something a little bit different for our community, and um, we are a community space, and, um, it's important for us to to try to do what we can with what we have. Yeah, and you know, it's more important just to make that impact on the next generation and to just to provide them an outlet to learn, to grow, and to have somebody take an interest in them and their potential is, is so powerful. And it, it, you can't put enough emphasis on that. And guys, the, there's like no hiding that the, that the, to to take the long game, to choose the, to take the long game, is the hard path. It's the path less traveled, but it's the most impactful path. It's the path that takes service over, you know, service over just your own ambitions. And I think the, the, the saying is service over ambition and integrity over expedience. 
it's it's the hard way, but it's the way that we all come out better in the long run. And I just want to thank you personally on behalf of being somebody who is in this community to, to take that time to choose the hard path uh, because the, our people in our community, especially young people, are going to be better in the long run because of it. So thank you. Yeah, and no, absolutely. I mean, it's, I, I think we need to thank, uh, thank also, you know, the Kate over at the Farm to School program um, for helping, you know, spark that. And that goes back to your support and um, the people you surround yourself by. And then that feeds into, you know, why we have some of the new serving staff that we have here. They want to be a part of that um, because at that point, you're not just a restaurant. You're not just going in and, and cooking something and taking someone's order. And you're not just, you're, you're not there. We're not here to provide a Service and hospitality are so much different than one another. You go to a gas tank, your your service, what you're expecting to get when you pay for it, you're expecting to get gas. And so when you go to a restaurant, that service aspect of it, you're going to go in, you're going to spend money, you're going to get some food, somebody's going to take your order. But when you start throwing in the hospitality component and what what the value, what our values are and our morals and where our moral compass is, um, it changes it. It separates you from the places that don't do it and the places that don't do it, you can see. And uh, I, I just goes back to, you want to surround yourself by people that believe in what you believe in. Um, not a hundred percent, but that they can take that embrace it and run with it. And um, that's how you build, that's how you build your core group of uh, uh, pe- your coworkers. You know, your, your, your coworkers are going to ebb and flow and they're always going to come and go. You want that. You want people to leave. You want, I don't want somebody to get stuck here serving for five years. If that's what they want to do, great. But um, I want them to go off and do better things. And you create that core group of people and um, that love spreads to everybody coming in here working. And then so as people start to come and go, you, you still feel like you've never left that core. That core hasn't gone. Like that, that uh, moral this is who we are as, as a group of people will always be there and people will come and go. Um, and new people coming on will get trained and taught by that, that solid core value of this is, this is what we are. This is who we are. And this is what we want to be. So um, I think that's like, goes back into, you got to have that solid core group of people. Um, and when people do leave, it doesn't feel like people left just because of the new people coming on fit that core belief so well. Period, exclamation mark. I'm loving every second of this. Uh, we got to take a quick break to thank our sponsors, and then we'll be back for a true speed round just to try to keep this sucker under an hour and a half. But it's been worth every second. We'll be right back. Whether you're just getting started in the restaurant business or if you're a seasoned veteran, there's always something new to learn. That never ends. <laughs> but what hasn't changed is the time you get to learn. Tipsy has taken everything you need to know and put it in one easy-to-access location. With Tipsy, you can learn what you want, when you want, by accessing an incredible library of video courses on topics like food and beverage, service, marketing, and business operations. It's basically a one-stop shop for everything you need to run a successful restaurant. You can also use Tipsy as a staff training tool. Through the management platform, you can select the courses that matter to you and schedule them out to your employees in a few simple clicks. Individual memberships are only $9 a month, and as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you receive an extra 50% off your first month. So what are you waiting for? 
For $4.50, you can have access to this incredible resource right now. Just find the Tipsy Banner in the show notes. After studying over 300 successful restaurant professionals, I've discovered that to be successful in the restaurant industry, you need skills that go far beyond knowing how to cook. All of our guest mentors are damn near experts on business operations, systems, and culture. That is not a coincidence. That is what it takes to be successful. This is exactly why I tell everyone I know who wants to open a restaurant or is in the restaurant business to get a membership to restaurantowner.com. For only $29 a month, you have access to over 300 templates, including business plans, checklists, forms, manuals, and procedures. In addition, you have countless resources at your fingertips to join a community that has helped over 40,000 restaurant owners make better lives for themselves. Head over to restaurantowner.com slash unstoppable and because you are restaurants unstoppable listeners you will get the first 10 days for only one dollar again that's restaurantsowner.com slash unstoppable we're back and the first question i have for you pat what is your it factor a habit a trait a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success uh, being able to say yes. Beautiful. How, uh, how does yeah. that serve you? I'm I, curious. Say what? How has that served you? Um, it's, uh, it wouldn't have, I don't think any of these successes would have been possible without saying yes. Mm. I mean, literally like if somebody came in and they're like, I want that ceiling tile on that ceiling. I would say, absolutely. I'll find you a way to get it. Might not be that one but I'll get you that ceiling tile. <laughs> I love it. And what is your biggest weakness? Uh, time management. How are you overcoming that? That's a tough one. Uh, a little bit every day, right? <laughs> um, trying to set reminders, calendars, um, trying to, I mean, that's, that's my biggest thing is that, you know, there's so much that goes on in a day. Where do you start? What are you, what are you going to bite off? Um, and, and so time management, you want to, and that goes back into, sometimes you have to say no by saying yes, a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, be, if you can't do something, um, just be honest and say, Hey, I can't get to this today. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Well, thank you for saying yes to me and fitting me into your busy schedule. I appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> what is one piece of advice you have for leading others? Speaking up, um, say it, even if you're, even, even if what you say may have, uh, affect other people in a way that you don't want them to feel. Um, uh, you know, that, that was my biggest thing is that seeing something that you know, isn't right. Or if you know, you can do it better, um, by not voicing your opinion and saying something, um, you can lose a lot in life. You can lose a lot anywhere you go. doesn't matter if it's at your work or, um, in your personal life, like say it, yeah, and don't hold it back. Absolutely. And one thing I think a lot of us hospitalitarians, people who generally like just like to make other people happy and to put good into the world, we don't want to hurt other people by saying what they need to hear. But the truth is we are hurting them by not telling them what they need to hear. So if you have that mentality of I'm serving you, I'm here to give you this information because um, it's going to serve you in the long run. Uh, if you just keep that in the back of your head, then it makes breaking that bad news or that he- hearing that 
not necessarily good thing a lot easier to hear. Thoughts yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what is one question you ask or thing you look for during a job interview? Um, I, I look at a lot of, I look at a lot of nonverbal, um, cues. Uh, you know, one question I always ask is how do you, how do you take a not so good experience and translate that into an exceptional experience? Um, and really what I'm looking for is, is for people to say, yeah, I do mess up. Um, this is how I fixed it. This is how I'm going to fix it. And it, it's going above and beyond. Um, and, you know, being able to be empowered to say, to make those decisions. Um, and I'm sorry if I'm diving off on that, that, that off beaten into the, into the session, um, uh, trail here, but I think it's really important. Um, and I'll just share one quick experience tied into this question, and then I will I'll let you Take move on. All the time um, you need, man. You're providing right. value. All right. People at home can always hit pause and come back later if, if they don't if they're running out of time. It's fine. Um, I think I think this is probably one of the most um, important things that that I'll say today um, is that, um, and I can only tell it in a story form because I'm a Texan and I talk in circles. So. <laughs> uh, um, um, really busy, crazy night. And we dropped the ball and, um, long story short, these three gentlemen were not able to get their food, um, on time. So 45 minutes later, food's still not out. Um, one of the gentlemen's like, Hey, we really, we have to go right now. Um, and the server just went back in the kitchen, food was coming up, put it into go boxes and boxed it up for him, went out to the table um, dropped it off and said, Hey, um, terribly sorry that this has happened. This is not what we're about. We definitely didn't knock it out of the park for you guys. Um, you know, we want like, just take this and go. You're, you, you obviously, you, you're like literally walking out the door right now. Um, take the food, get out of here. It's on us. Don't worry about it. And so unknown, unbeknownst to us, one of the gentlemen was playing, um, in the uh, Madison Orchestra, and they, he had to go. Um, so the next day I get a phone call, and one of these gentlemen was so blown away that this, this server was able to make this decision on her own. And he could tell it was natural that she didn't just have to disappear and go find a manager and have a manager come to the table and apologize and say, hey, here's your, here's your 25% off your next visit, or here's a, here's a gift card, come back and see us, or... I'll buy you a dessert. Um, they, they could just tell that it's natural. It happened right away. There wasn't any, any hesitation in her decision-making. Um, she did it. And she did it because she was taught over and over and over. And everyone else within the group was taught over, over and over that they are empowered to make any decision they want. We will support the decision that you made. And if you made a decision that wasn't, um, a decision that we uh, agreed with, we would talk to you about it. Um, but these these gentlemen, what they did was is they took what they thought their total guest check bill was, and they multiplied it by three, and then they made a donation to Big Brothers Big Sisters of Dane County. And then one of them went to one of their um, customer ser- customer service summits. Um, he he was part of an HR department, um, a larger company. 
and used her experience for customer service and hospitality. And so when we say that every day a server, bartender, manager, dishwasher, line cook walks into a restaurant, this little square box that people come in and choose to come into, every day you're empowered to not only affect the person coming in, but to have a huge effect on your community. And by this server saying, making this decision, it not only had a great impact on these three people, it had a huge impact on the community through Big Brothers and Big Sisters. And it had a huge impact on life-changing, life-learning experiences within an HR summit. And then it kicks back to her. And when she finds out about this, you know, she's blown away. And then she gets the damn tomato award um, that we award <laughs> the people doing good things within food fight. So um, that's giving them, that's giving them the tomato. Yes. So whether you screw something up, it's how you fix it, Dude. how you fix it, oh. just fix it. I love just it. Fix it. I love it. Just and fix it. I mean, that's the core of what this industry, what makes it so beautiful is we literally have the opportunity every day to set out a rebel of positive energy that can, who knows what will happen, but we can literally just make people happy. When people are happy, the world's a better place. And that's just living, absolutely existing proof right there. And I listening to you talk, I couldn't help but think of Cameron Mitchell, a past guest on a show of Cameron Mitchell restaurants who said the difference between good restaurants and really great restaurants is good restaurants give people teach them what to do the systems the processes the procedures and how to do it but the amazing restaurants the truly incredible restaurants teach people how to think and why to think and they give them those values and they say you know we trust you uh to make the decisions because we know that you know what's the the right thing to do and to divide, yep. just provide that culture. It's so powerful. Awesome stuff, man. I'm so happy. All right. Sorry. I went down that road. It was totally <laughs> worth it. Every second of that. Awesome. Thank you for going down that road. Uh, so the next Absolutely. question I have for you is what is a current challenge you're dealing with and how are you overcoming it? Um, re essentially relaunching, um, relaunching a, uh, existing restaurant with a new chef, new menu, um, new meal period, adding brunch to it. And so um, once again, you know, I, I, it's um, from, from a marketing standpoint, um, it's me and um, trying to get that information into our community. And so um, that's been my biggest challenge the last 30 days is to launch a new meal period, adding brunch to our menu Saturdays and Sundays. And um, at the same time, launching a completely new menu, a different style of food. Um, and, you know, essentially what we did was, is we, we invited the community for free. Uh, we, we booked a Saturday and a Sunday, um, opened our doors, um, paid for everybody to come in and, and try our brunch. Everybody else, everybody paid for their alcohol, but we got people in the door to try it. And once they tried it and once they felt the energy and um, the hospitality here, uh, we've been, we've been full and booked, um, every Saturday and Sunday, um, for the last four weeks since we launched it. And so that's just another tool that I didn't come up with. I didn't make that up. You know, that's coming straight from what was given to me from the food fight restaurant groups handbook. Like this is, this is what we do. This is how you do it. Like you can't expect to open your door and just say, all right, people are going to come. I don't know. That doesn't work that way. 
doesn't work that way well all the time. You know, the best marketing dollars you can spend is not on broadcasting a message, but showing somebody you care and, uh, you know, just, just being there, caring for them. Uh, if you can use that money to care for somebody, that money will go far so much further than just broadcasting a message. I love it. Uh, what is one thing besides food your restaurant does well that separates you from other restaurants? Uh, hospitality. Like, I mean, just how you feel when you walk in the door? Um, just, uh, every person that works here is, is hired because of who they are. Um, no one, no one gets a script. No one has to change. No one has to hide their tattoos or their piercings or, um, I think just, we make people feel really, really good, um, when they walk in the door and, and when they walk out the door, um, and we take ownership. If we mess up, um, we we accept it. We thank people for telling us that we messed up. So, um, aside from food, um, we uh, we do we do a fairly good job of, of making people feel good. Awesome. And what's one book that's a must read that will make us a better person or a better restaurant owner? Oh man, uh, <laughs> any of Zingerman's books doesn't matter. Oh, Go man. pick up the Zingerman book. They're so awesome. And when Allah, our mutual friend, told me that you're an ambassador of Zingerman's, so I was like, sold. Let's get him on the show. Uh, what what does you know? Pick one of those series of books and uh, talk, just tell us the value and what it will do. Start with just the first one, which I think is basically the framework of how to start a good business. Uh, the little bitty one, right? That's the one you're talking about. No, that's the service uh, standard service, I believe. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I would say that that book right there, the service standards, like, um, if you have a budget, I think you should have one for you should have one for every just flip that in every new hire packet. Um, I mean, it just sets the tone, like it, it sets the experience. Um, for not only your coworkers, not only for the people working there, but for the guests who are coming in. Yeah. Um, and that book is I, essentially just like a little guide literally on how to provide good service. It's maybe a hundred pages long. Uh, it's, you can read it in maybe two hours if you're a fast, probably less than that, honestly. And it, it just gives yeah, you Yeah. It's a pretty quick one. Yeah. Uh, and so we have, were just out there. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, we, we were just out there and, and that's the one thing that, uh, we were at the Zingerman's roadhouse, uh, a couple weeks ago. And, uh, uh, our, our server, um, came up to the table and, you know, it's like you have two roads once you hit that table and, um, you should have two roads is one, you need to find out if this person's been here and if they haven't, you need, you know, it's like, so when you greet, when you greet your table, um, he was like, so is this your first time here? And so once you answer that question, like he knows which way he's going. So obviously we said no. And then he went down the road of, so just so you know, we have our own farm. This is where we're sourcing our meat from. Um, these are some things that I would recommend. Um, these are some things that you just have to get that, like, I'm not going to essentially take no for an answer. And, but he did it in a way that you wanted to hang out with him. Like, he was natural and he was, um, he fit the, the people who were coming in there. And, um, I, you know, it just felt natural. Felt uh, it wasn't that same script of "Hi, my name's So and So. I'll be taking care of you today." It's like, no kidding, you're going to be taking care of me. This is why I'm here. Like, you're the facilitator here, and you're making me have a good day or not a good day. Um, I'm having a funk. Get me out of that funk. But he was. Just, he, I'm. I'm talking about him right now. So obviously, 
and he messed up our order. So, and I'm still praising him. So, yes, <laughs> even people at Zingerman's drop the ball. You know, people <laughs> make mistakes, and that's human. It, it's what yeah. happens after the mistake that will make the difference, how you react to that mistake, whether or not you care. And I love what Danny Meyer says is it's not about the mistake. It's about writing the end of the story. And those mistakes can actually end up being what really make people love you because you can show them how much you care afterwards. So, yep. A hundred percent. Awesome. Yeah. And yeah, I'll have all of his books in the show notes. Uh, I mean, uh, it's the services or standard or standards of service, I think is the one we're talking about. And then there's yeah, an anarchist yeah. approach to, to building a great business, to becoming a great leader, to giving control of oneself. I can't remember exactly what the different titles are, but they're, they're definitely must read. They're, they're setting the table. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Beautiful setting, stuff, yeah. which is the most recommended yeah. book on the show. So I'm sure everyone's familiar with that one. Uh, yeah. But you know, but you know, people are out who are out there who like talk, who talk, who talk the Zingerman talk, who talk the Danny Myers lingo, who are managers and owners or oversee restaurant groups or whatever, the, whatever their titles may be who say they, they, they have that, that, uh, approach to their style of, of leadership. And, um, they also harbor the control factor and you can't have both. Mm -hmm. You can't have that micromanagement where you're, you have to have your thumb on every last thing and still have, and share that philosophy. You can't, you can't intertwine that. You, you, um, and that's coming from, uh, personal experiences, uh, working at places that, you know, coming on board, this is what they preach. And then all of a sudden you're like, you can't preach this. And then also, uh, have this controlling factor that is so draining. Um, so you gotta, you gotta know when to let go. Yeah. And you know, it just comes down to the whole idea of like, it's, it, you can write these cultures down these, these visions, these mission statements, these core values, but really what makes great restaurants is, is walking the walk and having that discipline and that integrity to show up every day to, to do what you say you're going to do. And, and that's the hard part. I mean, you can, you can know every secret in the book to what it takes to become successful, but execution is what's going to make you successful. And, uh, that's easier said than done. So <laughs> beautiful stuff. Uh, awesome, man. This is, uh, turning out to not be a speed round, but I'm totally okay with it. <laughs> I'm not a speedy. I'm not a speedy person. Hey, what, my, what was one of those questions? Time management, right? Yeah, I'm. I am okay with it. <laughs> Sticking true to it with you. <laughs> as long as you're okay with it, I'm cool with it. And you're dropping bombs of knowledge right now, so I'm sure our uh, listeners are okay with it. Like I said, there's always the pause button. Uh, what is one piece of technology you've adopted in your restaurant, and how is it influencing your operations? Uh that's a tough one. Uh, think so. You can think outside of the box too. It can be an app that you're using on your phone. Anything that you're you've adopted that's making your ability to communicate, ability to you know uh, be more productive. Uh, anything uh, for what our budget constraints are, um, just your standard social media guides: uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, uh, those are the three. Those are the three pieces of technology that. Um, we utilize every day that um, that we're getting a really big return on um, and how it's being used and when it's being used. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of what we use for our, our point of sale system um, compared to a lot of the other ones. Um, but just being able to set up your, your back of house operating systems that match your POS. So, um, 
the reports and data that you're running that you're looking at daily, uh, your your P mix with your compared to your customer counts and going through that, matching your order guides up to your P mix counts to make sure that you know if you had two cases of something on hand and the next day you have none and you have no sales of that item, then you know something happened. Um, and being able to intertwine your point of sale system with your back of house operating systems um, and then uh, just taking advantage of the reporting that you can use on a, on a POS system. Um, yeah. uh, do you mind me asking which one you're, I mean, we try to stay 100% objective and we want to share information. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it, that's what makes this podcast special is I'm not tied to any one product or service. Uh, so I mean, yeah. that helps others make decisions. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, uh, Revel, uh, we use Revel right now. Um, Revel is fantastic. Um, when I think uh, when it comes to um, if we were slower, um, it'd be an easier program to be using. Um, I think Revel would does great in like counter service, um, coffee shops. Uh, um, I'm not a big fan of just how the navigation is. So like from splitting checks quickly, um, it, it bogs you down once you get to splitting checks. Um, it's not where you can just touch different items and drag them over to different parts of the screen, um, such as posi touch or Aloha. Um, so for me, it, it's a personal thing. So, um, uh, you become familiar with the, the pieces of technology that you, that you start out using um, Posi Touch and Aloha uh, are two programs that I like. Uh, Digital Dining's um, uh, not a bad option, um, but I would take all three of those over Revel. <laughs> <laughs> cool, sorry, Good Revel. No, it's it's fine. You know, and it, like you said, I, it, at the end of the day, I think all these systems are good systems because it comes down to personal preference. So do some shopping, get out there, figure out what you think you'd like best. And the people that I have had on the show who have had good things to say about Revel, I think were uh, quick service and fast casual. So maybe it's better set up for that type of environment. Uh, these are things you need to mm-hmm. consider when making a decision. So I'm happy that you got specific. Thank you. Um, and yeah, yeah. with all the knowledge you have now, if you could go back in time and give your past self one piece of business advice, that person that was getting started in 2008, was it your first bartending job? or maybe when you were seven months after that, when you were taking your first uh, management role, uh, what's one piece of advice you'd give that past version of yourself? Uh, figure out what you're, what, what, what you do really well at, and then go do something that you're really bad at. Go learn that. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't focus on what you do well at focus on what you do, what you, what you need to improve on for me is, uh, the, the finance side of it. And, um, uh, if I would have gone back, uh, I would have probably even done that sooner. Yeah. Um, especially even trying to, to essentially being a self proprietor photographer, um, trying to make a living doing that. Um, uh, definitely did not use those financial skills with that, um, which had a pretty big effect on me. Um, so find out what you don't do well at and, and learn about it. Yeah. You know, one way I like to think about it is, you know, find out what lane you do belong in, uh, become a person of value, like really go deep in that one area, but also get out of your lane and get into other lanes. So you have the big picture. I mean, you're going to do one thing better than other things, but you can't just stay in that lane. Uh, would you say it's, it's, 
is that kind of aligned with what you're saying, or would you say totally get out of your lane and get into other lanes totally? I'm curious. I think if you put your uh, yeah, both, I mean, absolutely. I think getting yourself in a someone a, a lane that you're not used to or or you feel uncomfortable with um, is only going to make you better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, for me, um, you know, going and and taking um, different uh, extended ed finance classes was huge. And if I would have done that sooner, um, it would have helped me along the way a little quicker. Yeah. And uh, the way I like to think of it is if it's scary and you feel stupid doing it, then embrace the stupid because stupid doesn't last forever. It just, it's just temporary. And as you start learning, you know, always be in that area of stupid because that means you're, you're learning something new and don't avoid feeling stupid because you're not doing yourself any services. I love it. And uh, if, if there is one question I could have asked you, Pat, that would have added more value to this conversation. What would it have been? Uh, what's my favorite type of beer? Okay. What's your favorite <laughs> type of beer? Oh, I'm, I'm just, uh, uh, that's a <laughs> tough question to answer. Not, but yeah, both that one and the question you're asking is pretty, pretty tough. Um, I don't know. Um, I think, uh, is there one message that you didn't deliver that you would have liked to have delivered to my audience today? Um, embrace new uh, challenges. Um, um, put yourself in, in, in the guest, the guest shoes. And, uh, we always talk about those, those people that walk in who are not fun to deal with. But one thing I always tell people is that, um, you don't know if that person just left putting their dog down or a family member just passed away or something terrible happened to that person. And they're coming to your place to, to be there for their comfort. And, um, and you know, you never know where someone's coming from. So, um, you get a lot of people who are, who start getting fed up and talking about rude people and rude guests. And, Oh my God, can you believe they asked for this, this and that, and that it's like, well, if you can do it, just do it. Like, it's not a big deal. It's food. It's, uh, <laughs> just do it. You know, it's it. not just make them happy. Beautiful, man. Pat, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Uh, I think you're holding the record right now for longest episode, but I am totally okay with that. And it's just been a complete joy. And we wrap up every episode by calling somebody out. Who is one independent restaurant operator, somebody you admire in this industry and you believe would make a great guest mentor for just like you've made for us today? I would say Joey Connedy at uh, Food Fight Restaurant Group. So um, track her down. All right. You said Jody? Joey. Joey. J-O-E-Y. Mama Bear. All right. Joey, look out. I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show. And you're out here in New Hampshire, uh, Portsmouth. If anybody is looking to surround themselves with other incredible people to join an amazing team, uh, how can we connect? Uh, come come to Block 6, uh, 3S Artspace. Um, you'll find me there six days a week. All right. And I'll have uh, the website in the show notes. This is episode 322. Head over to restaurantsunstoppable.com slash 322 for that link. The links to the books that were recommended to the services that were discussed. Uh, everything right there. And Pat, man, thank you so much for coming on the show, for spending this time with me and my audience, uh, making us all better after listening to you. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. 
Holy smokes. That was an awesome episode. Thank you so much, Patrick, for joining us today and just making us all a little bit better. Uh, the couple things that really stood out to me, um, you know, just growth. It's all about growth, not just with you, but with everybody. You exist as a restaurant owner to provide opportunity and to care for and to serve everyone your restaurant touches. If you take that approach of making it about everybody else but you, it's the long path. It's the hard path, but it will reap the best benefits, not only monetary, but also you'll lay on your deathbed and just look back at all the lives you touch, the people you've influenced, the people you've mentored, the, the ways you've made the world a better place. And if there's no better reason to exist on this planet than to make the world a better place, then I mean, I, I don't know of any other better reason. So why not start today to live intentional, to make the world a better place, to create something special and to make it about others and to invest in the next generation of human beings. And that starts with enabling growth in them. Today's mantra, growth. Pat, he came into this restaurant group. They had their ways. They had their systems, processes, procedures, cultures. He had no experience. He got put into this awesome situation. And in seven months, he was a manager looking at P&Ls, uh, prime costs, learning all these new things. And if they didn't provide that opportunity for growth, that encouragement to grow, then he would have been stuck at a, as a bar bartender probably would have ended up moving on to greener pastures because he would have gotten bored. He, his higher needs wouldn't have been met. Uh, we have to provide opportunity for growth. And when we create restaurants that are entangled, like our boy, Tom Walters calls them where it's, it's a, a restaurant of leaders, you are there to enable your team of leaders. Everyone that works for you is a leader. They know what to do. They're given the, the tools to do it right. And then you just provide opportunities for growth so they can grow in their own respected vertical. That's when things explode. That's when you open new restaurants with talented people and you get to focus on whatever it is you love. Um, but you have to enable other people first. And honestly, uh, it starts with you growing, you growing personally. And again, Patrick was an incredible example of that. He got put into this position where he was now a manager and he realized, holy shit, I don't know what I'm doing. But instead of throwing in the towel, he pushed himself to grow, to, to take the initiative, to learn these extra things. And you can't lift up other people higher than you lift up yourself. So lift yourself up, enable yourself, learn, educate yourself, find your values, go deep. And then when you've reached that highest point possible, then, you know, just start using that high point to lift others, bring them up to where you are. And the truth is, and like we mentioned, it never stops. Always lean into it. Always leaning always lean into other people and you will become unstoppable uh beautiful stuff if you guys stuck around this long uh 52 minutes uh thank you or sorry an hour and probably more probably close to two hours um thank you but i feel like it's worth it and i don't know about you but i feel like patrick really started to open up and really started to let it let us in towards the end and that only happens when you choose to make an impact when you choose to go deep and to get to know somebody and to connect with them on a different level and you can't do that in 45 minutes in an hour i can't stand up here and preach to you guys that you need to make it about impactful relationships if i don't choose to be impactful myself and to really connect with people so i if you 
you're digging the longer episodes, let me know. When I publish this episode on Facebook, go over to Restaurant Unstoppable, or sorry, uh, Facebook slash Restaurant Unstoppable, comment. Too long, not long enough, just right. Let me know. I want to make sure you guys are happy, but I felt like this was a beautiful conversation that really we just got a lot of great advice out of. And like always, guys, like I said, connect with me on Facebook. You can also find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat, Eric Cacciatore. And uh, shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. If you have a recommendation, a request to get somebody on the show, somebody who's just crushing it in your community, who is a leader in your community that we can all learn from. I want to know about them. I want to learn from them. I want to make us all better with that person's journey and advice. So uh, what else? One-on-one chats. Keep them coming. Restaurantunstoppable.com slash one-on-one. Let's chat. It's free. I love connecting with you, conversating with you, learning about where the pain is. Uh, Maybe I can help you connect with the right people to solve your problems. And then just keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. If you have left one, thank you. We're up to 88 reviews. Thank you guys all so much. Those reviews just fill me with joy and just make me so uh, just grateful for uh, your appreciation. And it keeps me going. So keep those reviews coming Thank you in advance. They do help the show. Holy cow, let's keep this under two hours, Eric. Time to say goodbye. I love you all. Until next time, peace out.